Hello, Internet. Welcome into the 10 Things Podcast. Uh, my name is Craig. Alongside me, dancing like a fool. What are you dancing so much over there for? Aaron Brooks. Because I'm a good dancer. <laughs> I really wish you could see what just happened right before we hit record. Um, true oh. confession, it wasn't Aaron dancing. No, uh, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm well, not allowed to dance. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. We are glad you're here. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. Uh, well, you may be listening to this on like a Thursday, Friday, any day of the week. If you were going to invent a new day of the week, what would you name it? What would I call it? Yeah. I would call it um, Blah's Day because that would be a day I just wanted to go blah. Nah. Nothing. Or nothing day. That would work too. It would be weird having a new day in the year, wouldn't it? Or in the week. <laughs> in a, yeah. <laughs> That would be weird. Uh, what would you call it? Have you have you thought I, about this? I don't know. It feels like a very existential <laughs> conversation to really think about. Yeah, really um, but it's 2020, so who knows what could happen. Gosh, you're kidding me. Um, it is uh, a Tuesday in the year 2020, and life's just weird right now. Like, it's if it's not one thing, it's another. Um, something new every day, it seems like. Mama said there'd be days like this. That's true. Um, but you know what? You know why we exist? It's to it's to take a break from everything going on in the world. Yes, it is. And bring you some terrible entertainment. <laughs> because that will make you forget everything else. Exactly. We never claim to be good at our jobs. Well, I mean, our jobs we're pretty good at. This is just hobby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we're not. We don't. We don't care. How just imagine we're... how good we are at this, and then <laughs> imagine how much better we must be at our jobs. Oh, it's a wonder we're not fired. Um, so today we are uh, because of everything going on. I, it's funny. I just said we're gonna. We are your entertainment break from reality, <laughs> and today's episode is <laughs> about reality. It's about reality. <laughs> We are talking about the 10 things about life after COVID. Um, well, okay, let's back up a little bit. Maybe we'd re- re- rename it because it's not necessarily life after COVID. It's life after quarantine. Yes. I mean, COVID, I don't think is going anywhere anytime soon. No, it'll probably be around. Um, so we're going to have to live with it. But what does life look like once we get back to this new normal? And everybody's been calling it the new normal. It's one of the phrases I'm tired of hearing. Yeah, it really is. I, I'm over that. Um, I, as true as it may be, though, but I'm kind of overhearing it. But we're here nonetheless, and so we are. We are stuck having to adapt. Um, I'll tell you the phrase I'm tired of hearing: social distance, social distance, and physical distance. Yeah, I'm so over. Just if I don't that. hear those words ever again, I will be very happy. You know, Time Magazine does a person of the year yes every year and who who's it going to be this year like it you know they've they've done it in the, in the past it's person of the year whatever they call it and, and there's been sometimes it's not been a person it's been an event or a thing yes um is it going to be covid19 or is there going to be some magical person who i mean if they come up with a cure or a vaccine that, that would be the person, yes. maybe. I don't know. It's an interesting. I'm, I'm, I never really get excited about that, but I'm, I'm not that I'm excited about it, but I'm like, I'm, I'm genuinely interested in who they would pick this year to be the person of the year. Um, but we are talking about life after COVID or quarantine. Um, things are just going to change, 
and we just mentioned that we're tired of hearing the word the new normal, but things are just going to change. We're already seeing it. Uh, we're already seeing how things could be different. And so we're going to give you our 10 things on what could be different post COVID-19 emergence. Um, so do you want to go first? Would you like me to go first? Do you want the audience you, to pick? If we let them pick it, we're going to be here. Okay. While. Yeah. Audience press one <laughs> press one on for your... Craig two for Aaron. Just text, text one to the number. <laughs> we don't have a number. I, I thought I could make something up, but then it might be actually it'd be a number. It'd be some it. number. Yeah. You'll be subscribed to something. <laughs> you get text messages for life. We don't want to do that to you. Um, you lead us into this uh, okay. discussion today. I've got a great one to start out with uh, because, you know, I think it's important to start out on a light note a little bit because I think we could get into some heavy stuff maybe at different points in this. But I'm going to start out. One of the things that's been so obvious to me and I in all the other articles I've read and stuff I've heard about, um, the only time I've ever seen this mentioned was in a meme. <laughs> but I think it's really true. I think one thing that will go away after COVID-19 is the communal cake with candles on it that the birthday person blows out. No more blowing out birthday candles on a cake. I think that you might be onto something there. Because I think we're suddenly aware. <laughs> some people already do this. Some people are already germaphobes and stuff like that. They've been aware of this. But, I mean, let's just retrospect ourselves for just a second. Why was that ever a thing? <laughs> Why did we think it was a good idea to make a cake, put candles on it, then let a nine-year-old just blow saliva and spit all over these candles, and then all of us take a bite of that cake? We had a discussion recently uh, on a podcast we did about memorable TV characters. You yeah, remember that podcast? Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, one of the characters that I mentioned was monk uh-huh yeah the germaphobe detective Absolutely. there is an episode where they have a i think it's his birthday and they have a cake and of course being a germaphobe you can imagine how he feels about somebody blowing the candles out on the cake mm -hmm. and then consuming it yeah so to appease him they wrap the cake in um <laughs> plastic wrap Just the then stick the candles in it and light it <laughs> light the candles on fire. He blows the candles out, but then it catches the plastic wrap on fire and yeah. the entire cake, you know, just, just goes up. Yeah. But it's, it's funny to think about that. That's where we're at now. Yeah. Um, one thing I have seen is that, um, and I don't know why we haven't done this before, but where they have a communal cake for everybody to enjoy. And then the birthday person gets a cupcake. Sure. And they blow out the candles of the candles. Uh, went into an accent there. They blow out the candles of their cupcake and then they can enjoy their cupcake and get them a, get a piece of cake if they want to. Um, I did some research though, because uh, I just happened to be curious. I was like, where did this tradition come from? And one side I saw said that candles on cakes trace back to the ancient Greeks where they put candles on a cake um, as a special way to, uh, to pay tribute to the Greek moon goddess Artemis. They baked round cakes to symbolize the moon, and then the candles uh, were represented the reflection of the moonlight. And then people believe that when they blew out the candles, that the smoke carried their wishes and prayers to the gods in the sky. Oh wow! 
So, I mean, I could see if, if you know, you're kind of into all that stuff. I guess that kind of makes sense, but I don't know. We are fans of a YouTube show, Good Mythical Morning. True story, yeah. They finally this week got back to shooting in studio together. They did, yes. On Link's birthday. Yes. Did you notice that he blew out the candle and then they ate? I did. I did. That was when I immediately looked at that and thought, hmm, I'm surprised that that happened. <laughs> right, yeah. I was too, yeah. You can't do that in a no. post-coronavirus world. You can't, no. Um, side note, for any fans of Rhett and Link and those guys, uh, did they not seem more happy? And the shows were so much better this week. <laughs> Yes. Because they were like, it's like two puppies that haven't seen each other in forever. <laughs> they were so excited. They were just so excited to see each other again. Um, but yeah, number one uh, for today, birthday parties never being the same because you can't blow out the candles. Give us number two. Work. Okay. We all, well, I was about to say we all do it. That's not necessarily <laughs> true. Uh there is some research that's showing that up to 75% of businesses want at least some portion of their workforce to permanently work remotely. Yeah. Now, there may be some people that are very excited about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I enjoy working from home. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of the companies that I do some work for have actually launched uh, a platform where I am working from home multiple times a week to facilitate sales across the country. Uh, and it's got some very, it's got some great upside to it. Yeah. Oh, it does for sure. And I won't be surprised if we see that this trend continues mm -hmm. people working from home. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I've noticed that it has done is when commuting to other locations during rush hour traffic, it's been a lot lighter. Oh yeah, it has. <laughs> but those that uh, have to go, it's it's nice now. Yes, I mean you're not bumper to bumper traffic, and it's got to be good for the environment. Oh, you would think so. Um, I did some some. I looked at some statistics because I knew we were going to talk about this at some point. Um, Zoom. Everybody knows Zoom now, right? Oh, yeah. We all love to hate Zoom now. Um, Zoom just announced that they have now passed 300 million daily Zoom meeting participants. Wow. This is a huge jump because in December, they reported 10 million daily Zoom. And they're at what? 300, 300 million. million. That's the population of the United States. Exactly. Everyone is now using Zoom, and it's global. I mean, yes. I've got friends all in different countries who are using Zoom. Um, I did, I did a lot, another another little bit of research. Sixty six percent of Americans are working from home right now. Be well, at at the peak of the virus, we're working from home. Out of those, forty percent prefer now to work from home. Only forty. Forty percent of those sixty six percent. Okay, that we're working. So 40% 40 of people who had been displaced prefer now working from home. And there were some other numbers like, you know, there were there were some reasons some of them didn't, you know, distractions. And I get that. If you got kids at home, you know, it 
it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge. Um, but if you have, I heard on the radio the other day that somebody was saying like, you know, for me, I, my kids are grown. They're, they're, you know, fairly old. They can take care of themselves. So me getting away in my own little home office and working is great, but I've got a friend who's got toddlers and his wife's at home too. <laughs> and it just, it gets chaotic very quickly. So I, I understand both dynamics of it. We have both had the flexibility in our chosen professions yes, to do a lot of work uh-huh. from home or remote locations yeah. over the past few years. Um, and I love it. Yeah. Um, I would be one of that 40% that if I had the option, I can work well mm-hmm. from home. I think what, what I think is going to be become more commonplace instead of, people having an office or a cubicle or a desk at a office that they go work at. I think you're going to see more communal spaces and office buildings, less of them, but more communal and more people having the option to work from home. But if you need to go to the office to have a meeting or do something there or just need to change, change it up, you can do that because I don't, I don't know how you do it, but like I, you know, I have an office, but I work, I love working from my house because I kind of, you know, it's a little bit more relaxed. It's, it's, there's not as much distraction. So I know if I need to get something done, I'll work from home. But then there's some days I need to change it up. And so I'll just go over into the office and do some work there. I think the option will be more available than it ever has been for sure. It will be interesting to find out if there's any kind of studies or research that show us over the next few months, if, people have become more productive yeah by doing that or not yeah I'd, I'd be curious to know that i'm sure well you know i'm sure it's it's like we just said i'm sure the people who have no distractions at home are going to be just as productive if not more and the people who have distractions may struggle a little bit i know that you know i think being able to have a little bit more control personal control and flexibility of how you work could lend itself to more productivity. I think so too. I know I've read articles before that say, you know, the whole American work day and school day of forcing people to get up early is counterproductive to the way most of us are wired. Most of us do our best work later in the day when we've eased up into, I know I do. I mean, I'm not a morning person at all. It's hard to wake up and immediately mm-hmm. be in that groove. Yeah. My sweet spot is usually, gosh, two, three o'clock in the afternoon till about seven or eight. That's usually when I feel the most productive. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. My <laughs> wife gets home at five. So that leaves me two, maybe three hours before I need to shut it down and have family time, you know? So. I don't know. I'm with you. Okay, number three on our list. Uh, I'm going to kind of like a really similar to that is school. You know, kids are have been homeschooling <laughs> uh, for the last couple of months. And um, I think you're going to see, just like what we said with work, I think you're going to start to see the option or online distance learning become a little bit more normal. I think so. Too. Yeah. Um, I know our, the college here in town, uh, just announced that 
they will be they'll be starting in-person classes in August, but they're only going to Thanksgiving and then they're sending them home. And they haven't said anything about the next the spring semester, but I would I would not be surprised if they say you're going to come in a little later in the year, skip spring break and then work through we'll end the year year earlier and then you're gone. And I've seen several colleges and universities coming out with very similar mm-hmm. plans to that. Yeah. Uh, I think it, I, I don't really see any reason why it doesn't make sense. Yeah. To do that. I mean, if we have the technology now, we've never had it before, you know, I mean, with the exception of the last, what, 10 years, maybe to be able to, where it's widely, everybody's got access, to, not everybody, most, a vast majority have access to, smartphones or laptops or something like that that they can connect with it just makes sense to do that now even at a elementary and middle school and high school level they're doing the same thing so i think you're going to see you know for me i think of like um if you live out in the country and have to take this long bus i mean there are kids that are having to get up at like 5 a.m and get to the school bus stop by six because they're going to be on a bus for an hour and a half two hours because the bus has to go all the way out there to get them and then they have to make all the stops to get back. And wouldn't it be so much easier for them just to video into their classes, you know? It seems like it would be. And this as you said, it was kind of a segue from the previous discussion about right, work yeah. into this. And I was thinking earlier in my situation and even yours the fact that we both work remotely and I think it works well for us, Mm -hmm. but we both came from a background where we homeschooled for several years. Um, And so I grew up kind of in a, which I I went to private school for several years and then finished homeschooling, but I got accustomed to an environment where, okay, these things at home that might be a distraction um, weren't because I had a certain amount of work that had to be accomplished. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from a younger age, I was kind of in the mindset of, okay, I'm going to do this work from home. And so it makes it easier, I think, for me, you know, to be productive. And I don't miss out on the environment of being in the office because I wasn't in an environment of being in school. Uh, You know, there are people that that have concerns about homeschooling that, well, you take all of your social interaction away, Mm -hmm. but... I found ways to stay involved with friends and groups and things like there's a lot of homeschooling co-ops and things mm-hmm. like that, that people participate Way in more sports now than leagues. there were when I was a kid. Yes. So many more yeah. um, through youth groups, uh, through our church. There were just a lot of things that I was involved in, even in our community, I would get involved in stuff. So I never felt like I really missed out on any sort of experience yeah. by being homeschooled. Um, it was obviously different than the typical school experience that most people have. Yeah. But I loved my school experience. Um, And I feel like I got as much as I may have missed out on some of those school things. I had a lot of experiences that people that typically go to school never would have experienced. Yeah. So I think that there's, there's definitely some pros to it Mm -hmm. that as we move into this kind of post COVID uh, environment that we might find um, learning well, you know, I've I've seen and always read about like Nor not Norway uh, 
Well, yeah, Norway, Denmark, the Netherlands, that kind of, they are very proactive when it comes to different ways of teaching. Even like in Japan, they do different things when it comes to their schedules. And I think, I think we could end up seeing a hybrid at some point where, you know, they're going to school maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and they have longer weekends. And then you have, you know, they're already getting homework, but, you know, you have this work you need to get done. You know, this AMI or a distance learning or on this time I have a Zoom call and so I have to be a part of that. I think it could be a hybrid and maybe it's, you know, instead of taking this long, I mean, there's been so many podcasts, books, videos, teachings done on this. Like, There's there's no need in having an extremely long summer break, you know, that's archaic, but it's just tradition and it's what we've always done. Studies show that kids actually get stupider over the summer. <laughs> you know, they're learning all this stuff. Summer hits, they forget it all. And by the time they get to August and get back to school, they've forgotten everything. So I think we could see a hybrid of it. And uh, I think, because I think that would give like what we've experienced, where you kind of, I think students, especially today with the internet and access to everything, they're going to learn what they want to learn anyway, anytime they want to. Yes. You want to learn how to do something, YouTube it. You know, Google it. It's there. So let them learn naturally how they do. But then in a, you know, a few days a week, you're able to still have those social things, still have your homecomings and your football games and, and that social interaction that's needed. Um, I think we could see a hybrid. That's just me, but I definitely think it's going to change somehow. Oh yeah. Somehow it's going to change. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Number four. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's talk about food. We always like to talk about food. Love talking about food. You know, food. somehow that's going to work its way into <laughs> this conversation. But specifically, buffet restaurants. Oh, this is a good one. I didn't even think about this. Because we have discussed in past episodes how we have seen a decline yeah. in the buffet restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. This might be the death knell to buffets. And probably should be, let's be honest. There's a reason why buffets were declining to begin with. Yeah. The idea of a buffet is great. As a kid, you love it. (laughs) Yes. As a kid, you have no concept of germs. (laughs) No. When you see the commercial of a fountain and being able to to (laughs) stick something in a chocolate fountain, it's like, oh, that's awesome. When you have fried chicken sitting right next to ice cream, I mean, it's the dream. Exactly. (laughs) But then you get a little older and you go to one of those restaurants and you kind of sit and you begin to watch and it can kind of be a turnoff a little bit. How long's that fish been sitting there? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, everybody touching the same pair of tongs. Oh, yeah. That one sneeze guard, let's mm. be honest, wasn't really, <laughs> it wasn't really probably, you know, yeah. Holding its its mm-hmm. own and maintaining yeah. its function properly. Yeah. Um, so I, I was reading an article a couple of days ago that several hundred of the corporately owned Golden Corral buffets are going to continue furloughing their employees as they look at what the future <laughs> of their company might be. Smart. Golden Corral, I think, yeah. sees the handwriting on they the wall. Do. Uh, even if there's a time in the future where they could come back, it's going to be a while. Yes. I mean, it's going to be a while. <laughs> and in some places of the country, they, yeah, 
may never come back. Right. Now, living in the South, I think buffets are probably more part of our culture yeah. than they are in other places. Um, of course, Golden Corral is a it's a nationwide mm-hmm. chain. But in general, you see more home style buffet, yeah. you know, southern sit down restaurants like that uh, here in our area. But I think that the times might be a changing on that. I, th- I think you're right. I mean, everything from like uh, Chinese food buffets. Yes. Which, by the way, I mean, if I can step back, I I don't understand the business model of a buffet. Like, how do they really make money? Because, I mean, they have to get so much and just set it out there and hope it gets eaten. One thing that I have noticed through... Maybe wait staff? Maybe. One thing I have noticed through uh, that buffet chain is the price in recent years has gone up. The last time that really? I went to one, it was over $15 a person Wow! to go through the buffet. And it's not good quality no. food that you're eating. No, it's okay? not. I think that that's how they make up for this. Is They're opening cans of stuff. There's not yeah. a lot of love. Yeah put into it and our society has become more and more of a foodie nation it's true yeah this point in our history in our time that's not what's bringing people in to eat Mm -mm. um opening a can of green beans and a can of corn yeah that doesn't cut it anymore no now i have seen um there is a um there's a local in arkansas there's a local pizza chain uh that does buffet Larry's Pizza, um, they well they do buffet and they do uh, they have a pizza buffet and are, are they the ones that bring out pizza to you and walk around? Yes. And, um, I heard on the radio that said they aren't they are no longer going to do buffet for the time being. They're still going to have everything available, but instead they're going to do it lunch lady style, so you can walk through with the Cafeteria. tray and they're going to serve you. I don't know that that makes it that much better. Maybe a little bit because not everybody's touching all the tongs, but it's still you're hovering over food, and it makes me wonder: Subway, Chipotle. I mean, how, how does that change? You know, do 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 they put up bigger shields? You know, just make it completely glassed off? And um, I don't know. I mean, what's the difference between that and someone making your food in the kitchen that you can't see? Well, you can't see it is the difference. <laughs> you have the the mind thing going on which doesn't make it better maybe maybe being able to see it is a good thing (laughs) uh you occasionally get a glimpse into some of those kitchens yeah i know i did in the past week at a restaurant that we had gone back to and nobody back there in the kitchen was following any of the uh Mm. you know those guidelines that were they wearing masks around the bottom of their chin (laughs) So they could pull it up just in case the boss came in kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, sitting out there eating the food, we thought, okay, this is this is good. But if you happen to see the kitchen door open and you see that, yeah. then you're like, oh, oh, what's going on? So, you know, there's that old saying, what, what you know, don't know doesn't hurt you. Yeah. Have you been to a lot of restaurants since they started opening back up? A couple. Have you? I've been to a few, too. I, I forgot how much I missed it. Did you? I did. I mean, most now. Granted, I haven't. The times that we have gone, it's like I've been meeting people and and you know having conversations, meeting with people. So maybe it's just 
the meeting people part that I've missed. But like, you know, uh, you know, I went to a coffee place this morning and I was like, it just feels good to be back in a, in a place like this. I'll say the, the only thing I've noticed so far that I missed was being in a Mexican restaurant with all you could eat chips and salsa. <laughs> Cause you don't get that on the takeout. That's true. No, you don't. <laughs> But usually they they tend to do a good job no, of giving you enough. They do. Yeah. The the times that we've done uh, Mexican takeout over the past couple of months, we have had more than plenty of chips yeah. that were left over. But there's something about going in and you know sitting down to have that. It's true. Yeah. The the fresh hot chips brought to you. Yeah. I'm making you feel like a pig because they don't put enough in the basket to begin with, and so you have to keep asking for more. Yes. Even though you, you, you'd eat the same amount here at home, it just feels like you're eating so much more. It there. does. Yeah. Okay. Um, enough. We uh, talked about food. Um, let's get to, because we, let's be honest, we could do 10 on food if we wanted to. We could. I mean, we're just food people. Um, I'm going to give you number five on our list, and I am going to talk about what I believe is the end of the handshake. Okay. I think, and what I mean by that is, I think the end of the handshake as your uh, go-to generic standard greeting, because now you, you run into somebody new, you just shake their hand, you know, at least polite people. That that's always been the symbol of being polite, right? Correct. I mean, you're if you're rude if you don't shake. If a you hand. don't, right. I think that's going to go away. I think you're going to see less and less of that now, and I'm not necessarily upset about that. I mean, I was. That's how I was taught. You know, when you do a job interview and you meet somebody for the first time, a firm, good handshake shows, you know, shows respect. Yes. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but I think you're going to see it less and less. I think the wave will become more popular. I think even high fives, you know, I don't know how often you're going to high five. I don't, I just don't see, and maybe it's just because I've been away from it for so long. I don't know that physical touch to a stranger <laughs> Is going to be a thing. At least you'll be more aware of it. Right. There have been, I've and I've read several articles about this. You know, there's the whole deal where people are tapping their feet together oh as a gosh. greeting. Okay. That, that's sort of kitschy. I've got a hot take whenever you're done. That's not going to survive. No. Um, we're not going to see business people... You know, tapping feet together, the the elbow bump. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of fun, but no, it's not. We're not going to do that. You know, people aren't going to do it. The Wakandaing your heart. <laughs> There's also the uh, the heart hello. Yeah. Where you know you you touch your heart and kind of halfway bow towards the person. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that either. Nobody. Here here's what I think's hap- going to happen. I think you're going to have two camps of people, one that's going to continue to shake hands Mm -hmm. because that's just ingrained into so many people that's going to continue on for a while. Right. Um, Especially in an older generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a younger generation, it may not be as prevalent, Mm -hmm. but I think that older generation probably going to continue. They're going to go back to shaking hands. Yeah. Um, And then you're going to see the people that to me, if somebody doesn't shake my hand, I'm not one who is offended by it or feels like I'm being disrespected by it. Uh, if you choose to, you know, hey, how are you? Just a simple little hand gesture, something like that. That's good with me. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's what 
and, should just take over. And that was my hot take. And it may not be that hot of a take, but I, I don't think we need to, need to invent a new greeting. No. We already have it. It's the wave hello. It's yes. the head nod. It's the, uh-huh. it's the hi. It's verbally yes. saying hello, looking at people in the eye and recognizing right. I see you. Yes. I don't think we necessarily have to touch each other. I don't think we have to, you know, shake a hand or high five. I don't, and we definitely don't have to invent something. No. I mean, the whole inventing, you know, the heart thing, you just like, what's up? You know, <laughs> it seems so fake and movie-like. It seems so foreign for it, it feels forced it doesn't yes, feel natural forced. yeah it's not a natural it's not the handshake has been something that's that's as you trace it back goes back you know well into the roman empire thousands of years mm-hmm. back okay so we've been doing that for a long time these other things especially in our western culture bowing things like that may be more yeah. common in another culture but here in our western but u.s it's not going to be replaced. We've got the wave. That's our wave. yeah. I mean, well, even in the Eastern culture, I mean, they don't they don't do that. They don't bow unless it's ceremonial or unless right. it's something like that or formal. The same way we would do a handshake or something like that. I just think that it's going to become less and less, and you're just going to see more of wave hello and head nods and good to see you. We can use our words. <laughs> we can use gestures. Uh, we don't have to invent something. No. And we don't have to, you know, clasp hands. And no. Anymore. I just think that I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be the end, the beginning of the end of the handshake. Hit us with number six, Aaron. This is sort of just a segue off of that, but it, it it's a little more personal. <laughs> a first kiss. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kissing on a date. I don't know. People like it too much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very interested because I've seen a few studies that are saying that this is going to be something that really begins to die out Hmm. because people are going to really think, okay, before I just want to kiss a random person, I want to have some sort of actual meaningful relationship with them. Now, I'm married, so <laughs> I don't foresee myself kissing anybody. It's going to be uh, a problem for us. No. But I thought it was very interesting coming off of reading about handshaking and that as a greeting, uh, having a relationship with someone through a handshake. Okay, you take it to a kiss, it's even more personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More intimate. Mm. Are people going to stop kissing? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I, I know I was joking, but it kind of wasn't. I think people like it too much. Now, <laughs> I, I do agree. I think like if two people are meeting for the first time, a blind date, or they're just meet somebody at a restaurant or something, hey, can I buy you a drink? Let's go have dinner sometime, or you run into somebody. A, a real, you know, or you, know, you meet somebody online and you meet for the first time. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that that I think I think that may not, you know, your traditional little peck on the cheek as you walk away after you first meet or something like that. I agree. I think that that could see a decline maybe until you're in into the relationship a couple of dates. Now, what I thought about whenever you were talking about this is, isn't it European in some European cultures? Um, And even here in the States, the fancy people isn't like the the double cheek kiss, you know, yes. Like, mwah, mwah, yes. you know, I think 
that's something that could also die along with the handshake. I, th- I think that that's very possible, but in some cultures that's, that's as ingrained into their exactly. culture as, as a handshake is yeah. more so yeah. it's more meaningful than a exactly, handshake. Yeah. Uh, so those are the, those are the things that I'm really interested. I'm not any kind of an expert and have no authority to speak on right. whether or not that's going to stick around, but it's something that I've thought about something I've seen mentioned other places that I'm very curious to see. Does this virus, this global pandemic, and let's be honest, this isn't the first time our world has ever encountered a global pandemic. Right, yeah, no. How did the world change after some of those others? Mm-hmm. Or did everything just eventually kind of fall back into its routine and continue on? Are we overreacting more in the moment to all of this? Mm-hmm. Because for some of this, this may be our first global pandemic that we've ever right. experienced. Yeah. I think one of the big things that that we will see that will happen is that, you know, a lot of people are compared this to the 1918 flu. Yes. And I think there were things that changed because of it, but they were, you know, they were subtle or they maybe we just didn't realize they changed because we're just all experiencing it. And it, it's our new normal. What changed for them is our has always been our normal. But I do think because of the advancement in technology and how we our world is more connected now than it has ever been. That's what I was going to say. I think we're going to see more changes happen because we have to. In 1918, it wasn't easy to see a global reaction right. to something like this. Yeah. I mean, you were seeing things days... They didn't have daily testing. Weeks later, no. You didn't see daily reports of no. what the virus is doing. You didn't... You didn't see how people in Arkansas weren't seeing how it was affecting New York. No. They didn't know. You didn't know how it was affecting people in another country. Um, and you couldn't communicate. I was I was having lunch with a friend the other day, and he was talking about how um, he has family who went through not necessarily the 1918 pandemic, but you know there were, there's been other little ones, not to this scale, but there's been like in the 60s there was something – uh, that popped up Woodstock happened during the pandemic. I, I was just going to mention that. Um, but he said he, he had family that lived during that time and said for them, they didn't go on vacations to like Florida and stuff. They just never did that vacation for them was going down the road to a friend's house and having a barbecue. That was like, they, that they saved up. They looked forward to that. So life is just different now. Now it's commonplace to travel states away on a vacation or to international internationally. Yeah. And, and have people from all over the, I mean, we have a college here in Cersei that people come all over the world from to come to school here. And so we are way more connected now than we ever have been. So I think we're just more aware of things that need to change than we have been before too. Um, Okay, number seven. I'm having to make decisions because I know I only have two left, and I've got a couple extra ones on here. I'll leave them for my honorables, I guess. Um, I'm going to go number seven. I'm going to go back to restaurants for a second. Okay. And um, because not just the buffet, but I think restaurant life will be different now. I don't think, you know, you walk into some restaurants now and you are crammed in to all these tight, I mean, they have, they have made it to where they are trying to fit as many bodies into this restaurant as humanly possible. They max out this fire code and try to figure out how many people they can get in. Cause they know 
the more people we can fit in here, the more money we can make. Exactly. And so one thing I've also noticed is how many restaurants do we know of that were not prepared for orders, delivery, or takeout? They weren't prepared for it. There was a few restaurants here in town that just completely froze. They just paused. They shut down. And while some kept doing drive-through and delivery and stuff like that, they had to just freeze because they were not set up for it. I think the American restaurant from here on out will find themselves. I think every restaurant owner now is going to look and say, what can I do to make delivery an option or take out an option? Can I install a drive-through? Can I do mobile ordering, touchless payment? Uh, it's a good time to be Apple pay. <laughs> you know, it's a good oh, time yeah. to do online stuff like that. And again, Different from the 1918 flu or any other time, we now have the ability to do that. I, I haven't used cash. I haven't used my credit card, debit physical debit card in months because I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm ordering ahead on my phone. I'm paying with my phone. I'm doing everything digitally. And I think you're going to see. I went to a place this week that said we are not no longer accepting cash. Like, oh, wow. Card or digital payment only because they don't want to spread germs or they don't want you to have to exchange change. And I think that could be a sign of the times also where when you, and every restaurant right now is making it to where, you know, there's a, if you've got, if you've got 12 tables, you're only using six of them right now. You have a table between every person. I think you're going to see people spreading out a little bit more. We have gotten so used to being crammed into spaces um, that I think we're going to start to see that ease up. You're going to have more space at a restaurant. You're going to have takeout options available also. That's fine. I want to talk about cruise ships. <laughs> okay. I don't know if there's an industry that has been affected more. Yeah, that's a good point. During this time than the uh, cruise lines. And... As we think about the coronavirus, how many different ships did we all see video and news reports mm, of yeah. that were stuck out at sea f- floating Petri dishes? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, people trapped on there, the, the you know, 90% of the cruise ship infected, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. So how does the cruise line industry bounce back from this and what does cruising look like in a post COVID world? Mm -hmm. You're not a big fan of cruises to begin with. No, I'm not. Now, did it have, was that because of germs or did it have anything to do with any of those? Not, not necessarily germs. I didn't like the thought and my wife has been on a cruise and she's been trying to get me to be open to it and going on one. For me, it's just I don't like number one being stuck on one thing, not being able to do what I you know go and I mean I have a touch of claustrophobia anyway, and so just the thought of and uh, seasickness, and so just the thought of being trapped on a boat where if if something happens I can't do anything about it. I'm I, okay. Real talk. I'm a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> okay, and so. Not being able to do anything, not having control of the situation, everything saying you can do anything you want to here, (laughs) 
you know, that's that's what got it for. And I know the rooms are really small. Everything's kind of tight and close. And I would much rather just go to a beach, you know, and do my own thing. Take my own car, drive where I want to go. That's my biggest part, pet peeve of it. I've only been on one cruise in my life. Um, Did you enjoy it? One to ten? In the moment, no. Really? I, I didn't. But after I got back and thought about it more, <laughs> I enjoy it more having thought about it than I actually did while I was there. There were some parts of it that were a lot of fun. Number one, the the the, the one thing I hear so many people talk about when you go on a, on a cruise is how great the food is. Mm. Well, it goes back yeah. to our conversation yeah, earlier exactly. about it's based around a lot of buffets. Yeah, That's probably going to change as Uh we discussed with other restaurants i can't imagine that the cruise line industry will continue to have self-service buffets that's probably going to change the uh the amount of people on board a cruise ship i figure there will be some reductions in that yeah will that lead to bigger rooms who knows it might it could or do they have to have a certain amount of people in order to make money? That's that's one of the questions that I've seen. Some articles I've read have suggested that we will see lower pricing when it comes to cruise lines because they've kind of got a, a PR hurdle they do. Yeah, to jump over to get one. people to come back and, hey, come cruise with mm-hmm. us. So does that mean lower prices? It could. If you cut out 50% of your occupancy on the ship, though, mm-hmm. does that lead to higher prices? Because you've got to get... <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's an argument to be made on both sides. Well, it, let's expand it from cruise ships um, because air travel faces similar things. Now, you're stuck there. Now, you're going to a destination, then you're going. But, like, um, you know, I've been on a lot of planes in the last couple of years, and, I mean, you're squeezed in there. Uh, you're squeezed in next to strangers sometimes and it's a tight space and there's no leg room and the food you're giving. Yeah. I mean, yeah, most of it's prepackaged, which is great, but like, you know, you're getting the same person that's taking this person's tray is now touching your food and giving it to you. And, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering if the whole travel industry itself is not going to change. There's probably going to be some changes you know, we're seeing flights not at full capacity. Even in the uh, the hotel industry, yeah, there's hotels, and I don't know if this is nationwide or just certain states, but I've talked with some people that have stayed at hotels recently. One in Oklahoma, they mentioned they stayed there, and the front desk told them when they checked out that their room would remain empty for five days, hmm. and after five days, they would send someone in to clean the room. And so nobody's staying in that room for five wow. days afterwards. So you can imagine for hotels, if that's how they're accommodating people, that their occupancy is much lower if they're keeping yeah. their rooms at a five-day interval. Mm-hmm. So the entire travel industry may look different. Yeah. Uh, specifically when it comes to cruising, though, I've seen that... Uh, Royal Caribbean in March, they this was before they stopped sailing, but they had banned travelers who were 70 years and older. Oh, really? Just because of the health concerns of that age group being there. Hmm. 
I wonder if that will become norm. If we see something like that, then do you have just a does a cruise line open up that just caters to that age group? You know, there's a whole floating nursing homes. Yes, that going to be a thing. Exactly. Um, It wouldn't surprise me to find out that there's going to be more restrictions placed on who can go on a cruise line screenings. I would expect that there will be some significant health screenings, things like that before, uh, before you get on the boat. And I'm not necessarily opposed to that. If I'm going to be, if if I'm going to be on a boat with you for seven or 14 days, you know, all right, I'd kind of like to know that when we get done, we're all going to be okay to get off. I don't want to stay on that cruise for, you know, 30 days unexpectedly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of these changes could be very positive things. I think it could get almost course correct the way the travel industry has approached things. Kind of like the restaurants, their their model has been, let's squeeze as many people on here as we can to maximize profits. When in reality, you're tanking your customer experience. Yes. And... Now, with the mindset of a global pandemic, you could be putting people in harm's way in the process. Well, and I'm and I'm interested in the airline industry. As you look over the last, I heard Clark Howard, one of the financial guys I like to listen to on his podcast recently, he talked about this. If you look at flight prices over the past 50 years, there's not been a lot of change in flight pricing. No. It's not like it's gotten significantly cheaper today than it was in the 60s or 70s. A lot of things we look at today, I mean, you look at appliances, TVs, things like that, they've come way down. The airline industry has kept their prices way up here. Yeah, if anything, it's increased. Exactly. Uh, And they're flying their planes at over-filled capacity. You hear stories all the time where they have overbooked their flights. We're not going to see that happen anymore. No, I don't think so. And I hope that maybe there will be some sort of course correction that helps get those prices down. Well, you, you double back to one that you talked about earlier about work and and commuters. I think right now there, there's a large majority of business people who travel on planes a lot as part of their job. Yes. They literally will fly from their place to another state to have a meeting and then come back. Yes. I think that could end. Yes. And that could change the airline industry um, where maybe those seats aren't taken. And now they can move some things around, realize, and adjust. Um, so I I do. I think the whole industry. I think cruising. I think you're right. I think I think there's – it's kind of like buffets. There, there could be some that come back and go back to business as normal. But it's going to be a while. It is. I think it's going to be a long time before people are – okay with even going back to normal like that again and it also wouldn't surprise me specifically when it comes to cruises if we stop seeing 14 and 21 day cruise itineraries yeah three five seven day cruises maybe more yeah more of what we see yeah spend less time crowded around everybody like that so it'll be interesting to follow just the entire travel industry over the next six months to year and just see how everything pans out yeah number nine for me my last one um i'm surprised we haven't talked about it sooner but sports sports i think are about to look different we already know right now they're going to look different because of the pandemic um 
I don't know when you're listening to this, but for us right now, yesterday it was just announced the NBA will be returning. Um, it'll be a 22-team league uh, for this season only. 22 teams, all of the games played in Orlando, an eight-game regular season. So it was to finish out the regular season and then the playoffs. Um, Major League Baseball has not come back yet. They are working. They say they're working on a negotiation. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to get baseball this year. It would not surprise me. Um, hockey is coming back. They're going straight to the playoffs. Um, Major League Soccer is coming back and limited capacity. Um, college baseball was scrapped just a couple games into the season. NCAA tournament vanished, never got to happen. Spring sports for colleges never got to happen. Lots of talk right now that in the fall when college football and NFL games get back going, that the fan aspect will be gone or very limited capacity. What is that, 30% is what a lot of them are saying, 30% capacity. So how does this affect sports moving forward? I think in much of the same ways we talked about the cruise line and airline industry and restaurants, I think, I think there was already a need for this anyway, but I think uh, you will see these massive stadiums start to shrink. And in attendance wise, like I think of these 70, 80, 90,000 seat stadiums at, I mean, 30% capacity, you know, you're talking 30,000 people, 20,000 people. I think the future of sports, again, we have built a culture where you cram as many people as you can into these things. And I am sitting in a seat with my elbow grazing against a stranger that I don't know, my thigh rubbing against his, uh, mistaking his soda for mine because they're right next to each other. I think that could change. My question is, how do we handle the butts and seats? Because if you're talking about taking... Jerry World, Dallas Cowboy Stadium, and you shrink it from a hundred thousand to thirty-three thousand. I don't think. How are you gonna? How how do you make up for that loss of revenue? I don't think it gets shrunk down that much. Like when we're talking long-term future, it may do that for this season, but I don't think that's the future. Thirty percent. I think what could become the the norm is going from a hundred thousand to maybe seventy-five, eighty thousand, and give a little bit of cushion between people. Like make the seats a little bit bigger or make the seat the same and add a buffer between seats. Because I think the biggest, the, the most nervous part about all this is how close you are to people. That's why they say, you know, movie theaters and all that stuff, you got to put a space between yourself. So why are we trying to then cram people into all these tight spaces when, let's be honest, we've gone to enough sporting events. How, how, how much do we enjoy being that close to somebody we don't know anyway? How I much, don't. I, we've been to so many baseball games and stuff together. We have to sit like knee to knee. Yes. We know, we've known each other for years. Yeah. We still don't like it. No. So why are we trying to do that? When, when Number one, it'll help the customer experience, the consumer. And number two, it puts people's mind at ease knowing there's a little bit of space between you and a stranger. If you do that, though, it's going to come at a cost. I think there's going to have to be a price increase. Listen, 
maybe I'm in a minority here, but if I get extra leg room, space to spread out, if I got extra room in front of me, I will gladly pay 10, 15 bucks more. Have you looked at the cost of NFL games though? They're well, already astronomical to go to. Then what's 10 or 15 bucks? Well, I don't I don't know that it's going to be 10 or 15 bucks. I mean, you're going to talk about cutting out a quarter of your seats permanently, 25% of your seating capacity. I mean, you got to think about a $250 ticket over 8 games out of the year across 25,000 seats. I mean, that's a lot of money. But that's the point. With in the same way that everything else has changed with technology, people are staying home more anyway, and they're watching games at home. So the people who are going to the game are going for the experience. Why not give them the best experience and let them pay for it? In some sports, I can see. I mean, baseball, you could social distance in a baseball stadium Mm -hmm. very easily. Yeah, those games aren't selling out average anyway. You go to an Arkansas Razorback football game. We've been practicing social distancing for years. Okay, this isn't anything new for That's us. True. We've done it for we we did it before it was cool. Yeah, for the last two years. I heard the athletic director for the University of Arkansas announced last week that they're preparing for football at full capacity. Thought, wow, that's something new. We haven't seen that in a long time. That's ambitious. What does he know? <laughs> but NFL games, we can talk about these other places, but the NFL stadiums are still selling out. They are, and that's that's fine. That's good. They can they will still sell out. I promise you. I promise you they will still sell out. You're talking about a three, four, five hundred dollar ticket if you want to go. I don't I don't think it goes that much. I mean, quick math will tell me what's the difference I need to make up. I think that I've looked at games in Denver this past year. A bad Denver Broncos team playing a bad Miami Dolphins team or Chicago's Bear team, whoever it was. Nosebleed tickets running $200 plus. People are still wanting to go to those. Imagine being a, you know, being a family wanting to take a family of four to a game like that. Our math tells us it's going to cost an extra. Okay. Here's the quick math I did. Okay, for a hundred thousand seat stadium, say you're charging one hundred fifty average, hundred fifty dollars a ticket. Okay, that gets you fifteen million dollars. If you reduce it down to seventy five and charge two hundred, you make the exact same amount of money. So you're talking fifty bucks difference. Is it cheap? Is it just a little bit? Of, no, I mean it, it, it's a it's a price increase, but it was an increase of how much? Fifty bucks. Okay, fifty bucks. Is that insignificant? No. Well, I mean, it's a good it's amount a $200 of money. $200 increase for a family of four, you know, you're going to take. Absolutely. But so you're already paying. But here's the deal. People people who are already paying that much are gonna, are willing to pay. I, I, tr- I promise you. Especially those. Se- it, think about it this way. If you increased it to 50 bucks, those 100,000 seats, if you try to fill them all up and increased it 50 bucks. It's probably twenty five thousand that might not be able to pay that and wouldn't do it anyway. You're still going to get your seventy five thousand who are willing to pay that. And if their experience is now better because I can spread out, I can stretch out, I'm, I enjoy the game better. I think people will be willing to pay it. We're talking about it's already going to cost your family five six hundred dollars to go to the game just for your tickets and your parking. 
you're going to spend five to six hundred dollars before you buy any food. Now you're going to add two hundred more to that. I think some I, people would. I wouldn't. Not for, not that much money. But if I'm going to an Arkansas Travelers game where tickets are eight bucks, and now they do ten dollars, I'm going to do that. That two dollars, I'll pay five dollars yes. extra because it's worth it for the comfort. That's what I'm saying. The comparison, the people who are willing to pay that for that, are the same people who are like me, willing to pay five bucks more for a traveler's ticket. We're talking about two different types of people, but you don't think it's your average Joe that goes to the football? No, to I an don't. NFL game, I don't. It's you've got some of them. You got some of them who have season tickets. They've been passed down for generation to generation. And you do have you got some average Joes who save up money for that special occasion to go to that game. Your average fans watching at home already anyway. I mean, read any article. There's there's articles constantly saying that the that ticket sales are going down because high def TVs are taking over. You can watch it now in your living room and eat your own food and have friends over and make a party out of it. It's much more enjoyable than go to and do a game. It so is. why not make that experience better? Make the seats better. And post COVID, it's safer now. I can see the argument made for nearly every sporting event with the exception of the NFL. I think that's where the, and let's be honest, they're going to drive this, aren't they? They're the biggest sports league out there. They're the biggest show on television. It's one of the biggest industries in the world. Well, maybe billion dollar industry. Maybe it is raising the prices of like the luxury suites to help cover the cost for some of those others. I I mean, I I don't know that they're going to just make an even exchange to make up the exact amount of money so they could they could tweak costs here and there they could you know fewer people may mean fewer staff and so you get that money back maybe it is you know charging a dollar more for a a souvenir a dollar more for here you know they'll nickel and dime you to death that's what people do anyway so i don't know if it'll be just an even swap on my ticket price is going to go up because the seats are down I, i think I just think that it will get finagled somehow into where you will see stadium capacities get lower to accommodate more social distancing. That's my take. That's my number nine. Give us number 10. Let's talk about movie theaters. Let's do it. Outside of sporting events in the U.S., one of the big things that people like to do is go to the movies, right? Absolutely. Love it. Uh, This is going to change i think a little bit yeah amc theaters announced uh this earlier this week wednesday that they have substantial doubt that they can remain in business wow they've estimated they have lost in the first quarter of this year they've lost between 2.1 and 2.4 billion dollars wow now there was a report a week or two ago Mm -hmm. that amazon is interested in mm-hmm. purchasing this company. Yeah. The movie experience in our post-COVID environment, and I don't know, we may not be on the same page of this, <laughs> because you love... I love going to a movie. The theater. Yeah. I, if Amazon were to purchase AMC and they were to continue to give us direct-to-TV movies... I don't know that I would ever step foot in another theater really? again. I do not care enough about the movie theater experience that I would go back. If I can if I can purchase 
if I can purchase the movie on Amazon Prime or through Apple TV, I'll pay 20 bucks to rent it, 25 to own it. To me, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to sit at home, have my own movie night there, watch it. We just finished saying that HGTVs have true, changed yeah. the... We've got great TVs. Now, it, it's not the same as the, mm. as the theater experience, but for me, and I think for a lot of people, the cost of going to a theater on a small scale is sort of like going to an NFL game. Yeah. There's a cost. If you're a family, you're going to go. It's not a cheap thing to go no, do. No, it's not. And I've got, I've got a take. I'm going to let you finish, but I have a take here. So I'm just wrapping it up by saying that I think that we'll see the movie industry change. And I hope that we begin to see something that I've wanted for a long time is with all of this streaming available, give us the ability to watch the movies right on our TVs from the beginning rather than waiting three months, six months, nine months for these things to release. Yeah. Okay. So here's my take. Okay. In the same way we were talking about NFL stadiums, I am the kind of person like the person I did. I'm not going to spend the 50 extra dollars on a ticket for an NFL stadium. I'm not that, I don't have that much money, but in the same way that, that person would for an NFL. I am that way for movie theaters. I am, you know, I don't go every week. I may not even go every month. I probably average about one and a half times every other month. It's about pre COVID. How many times I went to a movie theater. I love the experience. Um, there's just, you know, it's a better experience than sitting at home. My TV's great. Okay. And, and everything about sitting at home is great. But there are some movies you get amped up to see in the theater. You know, a great action movie or a big epic or biopic or something like that. I want to see in the theater the smell of popcorn, the environment. Can't you get your own smell of popcorn at home? I can't. And I've, we've got great popcorn. Okay. Shout out Great Northern Popcorn. I think that's what it's called. Not a sponsor. But it's just like the movie theater. We use the Whirly Pop. And it's, yeah, it makes great I popcorn. I love the Whirly Pop. It tastes just like, almost just like movie theater. But there's uh, there's something about the experience, the fan experience to go to a movie theater. It's different. It just hits me different. Now, it doesn't do that for everybody. So no. for them, it's not worth it. For somebody like me, yeah, it's worth it. And yes, things are going to change. And so fortunately, the movie theaters have already progressed in that way. More space between seats, recliner seats, bigger aisles. Are like you that. more... if, if if we get this permanently where we can rent or purchase movies directly, are you more or less likely to purchase or rent new movies, new releases than you are to go watch the film in a theater? I can promise you this right now. I'm doing both. Like, not the same movie, but like there are some movies that I'll, I'll rent right now. I want to watch that right now. Okay. But there's some said- I'm like, I want to watch that one in the theater. You said, okay, that you average maybe one and a half times every other month. Mm-hmm. Would that average are you change? Go, are you going to increase that? You say, I'm going to rent a movie every week now. No. I'm going to watch a new release every every Friday night, every night, every Saturday night. I'm going to We're going to purchase a new release, and we're going to watch that at home. Does it make it more likely that you do that? Yeah, it probably makes it more likely I watch more movies. Because there's a lot of times I want to see that movie, but um, it's not worth me. Again, it's it's a it's a cost thing. Like there's right. been movies out there I want to see that, and it's not worth going to the theater for though. Right. Now, what I will say, I've seen I read an article the other day that said trends are starting to happen to where, like the window is 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 getting shorter. 
on from the time it gets released in a theater to when it's available on demand or I mean, gosh, you've you've probably noticed this too, even on TV. Like there's a movie that comes out last year, last fall, and it's on TV now. Um, I remember as a kid, the only movies you got on TV were had to be in the theaters <laughs> at least five years ago. Yeah. You know, at least. And so the window is shrinking. Uh, some some article I read that said that, you know, it used to be like a, a six-month cycle, at least, six to nine months, where the movie comes out, stays in theaters for about a month, and then six months later, six to nine months, it's available uh, on digital or DVD. That window, as of, I think, December, shrunk to three months. And then once COVID started happening, became like weeks. Disney moved up their release, if you remember, Frozen 2. Yeah. I think that was one of the smartest things they could have mm-hmm. done to, to promote Disney+. Yeah. Plus. yeah. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. I can't remember when it was scheduled to release, but I think it released it a little released bit early. early. Yeah. A lot of them went straight to digital. Yes. They didn't want to wait on movie theaters to open back. Uh, what, what movies were it? Uh, this, Trolls. Trolls. Yeah. This past week, we saw uh, Scooby. Yeah. That was coming out. You know, it was nineteen ninety nine to rent it, twenty five bucks to buy it. If I'm going to take my family to see it, I'm going to spend twenty five bucks to buy that thing at home, yeah. let them watch it as many times as they want. Absolutely. Uh, and especially if I'm taking kids to the theater, makes a hundred percent. They sense. don't have the same. Absolutely. They don't care about the movie. This theater is a experience. brilliant move for kids' movies. It needs to happen for kids because I don't want to sit in a the theater with screaming kids anymore. No. What I what I personally would love to see happen is, you know, number one, you've got your blockbusters. You know, these are movies that Avengers Endgame. You felt like you had to see it. That needed to be in theaters. It needed to be in theaters. I mean, you wouldn't have enjoyed the movie just as much if you were sitting. No, I wouldn't have. I I don't think I would have. I just wouldn't. Now my wife would have because she sat next to somebody who's crazy (laughs) and didn't get to listen to the entire movie. I remember that. Um, But no, I I would want to see that one in theaters. Now, what I think should happen is certain movies be available in theaters and on streaming. I think it should be a grand experiment for the rest of the 2020 has an asterisk by it anyway. <laughs> now's the time. Let's to, just, yeah, let's now's do the it. time to try stuff. Um, you know, there are, there have been some, you know, like Netflix releasing a movie saying available in theaters or on Netflix. They've been an option, select theaters and stuff like that. So we're already seeing this experiment play out a little bit. They did that with the breaking bad film. Didn't they? I think so. Yeah. I, I just think make it an option. And if not, when, as soon as it's done with its theatrical release, make it instantly available. I, I don't think we're going to see this wait time anymore. I feel like Amazon or any of these companies that choose to get into this business and do it might see an increase in people that purchase either renting or buying movies. I know I would be much more likely. I haven't gone to a theater to watch a movie since we went and watched Endgame. Right. That was the last time yeah. that I went. Because you're I just, not a movie guy. I'm not a movie guy. Now, I enjoy those movies, but I'd rather just watch it on my TV at home or let's get together here and pop our own popcorn and yeah. do all of that. Yeah. And that's great. I think some people will do that. Invest but, in your own surround sound. I mean, you can yeah, put, your own, put your own little theater thing together. Yeah. And people have home theaters, and it's great. What I think Amazon is preparing to do, my opinion is I think they're going to buy AMC. They are going to continue the business model as they have, show things in theaters, and then as instantly after a week or two or after the theatrical release is done, instantly move it to Prime for rental or something like that or, or just put it on Prime. 
Because if they did that, bye bye Netflix, bye bye a lot of streaming platforms. And you know now, they'd love to do that. Oh my gosh, yeah, they would love to do that. Have first right to have them on their streaming platform. So, and if I get that, I mean, we would obviously see an increase in the cost of a Prime mm-hmm. membership. But yeah. if I get that, you're willing to pay it. I'm willing to pay it, and that just goes down to it. And all of these things it's, to a certain are, extent, are you willing to pay for these niceties? Are you yes. willing to pay for those things? And that's just that's what it comes down to. Everything we've talked about comes down to money. Yes, you know everything does. Yes, every single thing does. Okay, well, we're I think we're out of time. I think we have to be. Uh, you have any honorable mentions? I don't. Um, I don't I, think I've got two very quick ones. Um, one is that masks will become more common. It'll just become normal now. I don't think not everyone will wear it. I know I've mentioned on here. I've been to, I've spent time in Asia. Their thing there is like if you are sick or high risk, you wear a mask. That's just the unwritten rule, and I think that's going to be what happens a little bit more often here. And then uh, churches, church online is going to become more of a thing. We're already seeing yes. it, and I think we we both are involved in that world, and I think we're we're experiencing it right now as it is. More people are going to be watching services online than attending in person. Maybe not numerically more, but you're going to see an increase in the people that go online. The one thing that I will add to it is that we finally found out that the meeting that we all went to (laughs) really honestly could have been an email. That's 100% (laughs) correct. That, that that has shown itself as more evident now than ever, ever in the history of ever. So um, maybe that'll be a positive that comes out of this, that we can eliminate some of those unnecessary meetings. Absolutely. Aaron, what is it that people need to do right now? Like not waste another second of their life. What do they need to do right You now? You need to scroll down to that to that five-star button on, on the podcast, hit that, give us a five-star rating, leave us a review Say something nice. Say something mean. Just say something. Just say something. Leave us the five stars, though. We need some reviews. We 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 desperately need some reviews right now. So hop over. And that do helps. Pe- that, that that gets our eyeballs in front of more people's ear holes. And true story, just being honest, when COVID hit and we went on a little hiatus, I mean, it took it made it took had a hit on us. We took a oh, hit. Yeah. So we need some help getting our viewers back in, or viewers, listeners, back in, back in the ten thing rhythm. So drop that review. Let us know. Yes. Uh, and then uh, you can find us on social media. You can just, we're there. It's, we're there. Remember, it's my, whatever those things you do at the new year. Resolution. A resolution. <laughs> I'm going to get better at that it's at your, some point. It's your June resolution. It's my June resolution. Hey, I, can't, I can't believe it's June. I, I know. It was just February. I know. It's been one long Think day. about this. We're getting closer and closer to Christmas in July. You know what? The world needs it right now. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> now more than ever, the world needs Christmas in July. I, I hope all of our listeners stay safe and be kind humans this, this Please week. Please do. Be kind. Be Learn something. Be sympathetic, empathetic. Listen. Let's, let's do better as people. We're better than this. We are the human race. One race, right? One. That's right. That's it. Absolutely. All right. For the 10 things, my name is Craig. I'm Aaron. And we will talk at you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great week.